Welcome to the Ray Harryhausen Podcast, the show dedicated to the life, career and films of a special effects titan. Join us as we host in-depth discussions about the work, influences and legacy of this uniquely talented filmmaker. Brought to you by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, we will be delving into Ray's archive to bring a unique insight into his work, including exclusive audio from the man himself from our own archives. We will be joined by special guests for retrospectives, exclusive announcements and competitions. So this podcast is a must-listen for all fans of the world of Ray Harryhausen, animation and classic filmmaking. Hello and uh, welcome to episode 39 of the Ray Harryhausen podcast. And if you're watching online, it's uh, episode 7 of our vodcast. And uh, we've got a very special interview today. Um, trustee, author and filmmaker John Walsh encountered a very special new friend for the foundation uh, during some research recently. John, who did who did you meet? Well, Connor, thanks. Yes, I met Chris Arkeles and he's most famously known for doing the cover art for the Target Doctor Who book range um, all the way through the 1970s and 80s. And of course, I didn't realise that Chris actually was a good friend of Ray Harryhausen. And more so than that, he did some concept art on an unmade film and on one of Ray's most famous and iconic projects. So I sat down and had a chat with him and this is how it went. I, I, I certainly knew you from your from your Doctor Who art. And when we were talking then, I was really surprised that you, we had a mutual friend in, yes. uh, in, Ray, in Ray Harryhausen. And uh, I think, you know, fans of your art will be, will be really interested to know about the connection. So how did you first meet him and what happened there, Chris? I'm trying to think back now. OK, I was in this studio in Covent Garden. And I was like, I uh, had a desk space, if you like. And I was on a retainer. This is middle 70s. And um, work was coming in, again, very busy. And I think it was through them. I think Ray was looking for an assistant illustrator to do visuals for Clash of the Titans. And I don't know. I, I, I ended up going to Holland Park to his house and taking some paintings with me and all this. And honestly... I mean, I was in awe of him, of course, because of Jason and the Argonauts. I grew up with all that. And he was all the myths that I grew up with. And uh, it was just a wonderful childhood memory of, of Jason and the Argonauts. And here we are. And, he, he, you know, we walk upstairs and he opens the door and there's all the models from Jason and the Argonauts and everything else he's done. And some are in glass cabinets and we're sitting there and we're both enthusing like kids, you know, like children. And he's taking out this model and he's moving his arms and this and he's taking out the skeletons and, and he's taking out this and that, you know, all the creatures from Jason. And he was just wonderful. And uh, when he saw the, the painting I did, the one of the Gore covers, G-O-R, um, famous series, and um, I did this giant, people and giant eagles attacking, you know, a bunch of people. It's in my books. And he just, he just stopped and stared at that. 
and he didn't know what to say. He just he said, "Stay." He said, "Hold on." He said, <laughs> and he went to his plants chest, opened the plants chest, and brought out his charcoal drawings of the giant eagle uh, movie that he was trying to get going for years. That probably would have know? been war, war eagles. Would it war have been eagles. War eagles. Yeah, the Willis O'Brien. I, I was like, we're both like laughing. Said, oh my god, this is only the same kind of thing. It's even got like classical people in it, you know, that I could see. And, uh, I mean, we just bonded really well. And um, and I remember, that's the memory I have, three memories of him. That was one. Second memory is, I don't know what came first, though. He invited me and my wife for dinner. And, um, and, and, and Michael Whalen and his wife, American illustrator. And we had a wonderful evening you know, meal there, and uh, his wife was delightful. Well, Diana, lovely Diana, yes, mm. of course, she has a classical name. <laughs> mm. Yeah, wonderful memory of that. And uh, I remember when we went for that, he had my painting framed and put it in the hallway. <laughs> it was wonderful. And uh, the other memory I have is rather special also, is because um, he invited me to go to the studio. I'd, I don't know if it's Pinewood or one of the studios to meet him there and to discuss the film poster uh, for the movie. So I want you to do it, Chris. Uh, so I went to the studio and, you know, I got through security and I went to the room where he was working. And he was doing, you know, in Clash of the Titans, you know, the Medusa with the bow and all this. And he was moving her. But the poor man was exhausted, and he told me so. He said, um, "He said, Chris. He said I've been working how many hours, you know, hours a day." He said, um, "I'm exhausted." He said, "This damn movie is dragging on forever. Everybody's finished and waiting for me to finish, and there's so much pressure on me." And I really felt sorry for him because you know how intricate that is, how time. I mean, how he did it, I don't know. All those hours of just move back, click, move back behind the camera, click. I mean, he was just, and I, I sat there and watched him for hours. I sat in the dark there with a cup of tea or coffee, and we just talked while he was doing that. And it was just wonderful experience to, to have. But the, the poster, we just sent you a picture of the rough I did. Uh, he absolutely adored that because I understand the myth from my childhood. I understood myth of um, of what he was doing there. You know, we always mix the myths up. You know, it wasn't just one myth; it's a mixture, and uh, it's a concept. So I put it all in my raft. You know, I put the the mother of um, of, of Theseus. Theseus. Theseus is in Greek, and in English it's Theseus, isn't it? I think it's, was it per Perseus? Was it Perseus? Perseus. Yeah. Yes, Perseus is in Greek, not Theseus, is another hero. Mixed up. Perseus. And, uh, you know, when his mother is putting a coffee with him and launched, and that starts the whole thing, and I had that on the bottom with the rocks and everything being launched. In the middle, I've got a large picture of Perseus on Pegasus. And over, over all of them is the head of the Medusa, you know, glaring at you like that. And the title will be on top. And he loved the concept, you know, 
I love encapsulating a story in one picture. I think that's what book covers should be about and film posters. Um, he loved it and he showed it to Schneer. His Charles Schneer, that's right. Charles, Charles Schneer, yes. Yeah, they worked together very closely on everything. And he approved it as well. And uh, I went home, I got on with other stuff, waiting for the call, you know, to get on with it, whatever. And all I got was a call from him to say, I'm terribly sorry, the studio has chosen to use the same artist that was used for Star Wars. So that was it. No other reason. They wanted uh, the Hildenberg brothers, who did the first Star Wars poster, to do this clash because Star Wars such a huge hit. They did, you know, that's Hollywood. You get one success and everybody tries to do the same thing behind, you know. And it was it was awful. So it was cancelled. And that was it. That was it. Now, um, I mean, I went my way and uh, we would talk every now and then. But then, then I, I lost touch with him completely because of one thing. I was in a convention in Germany and in those days, you had a bloody file of facts thing, you know, which had everything in it, and you carry it in your pocket, and everything was in there. And uh, it was it was lost, you know, the people looking after me in Germany, they lost my bags, they lost my shoulder bag, with everything in it, including my glasses, my pens, my file of facts. No, what you know, all that personal stuff you carry. Uh, luckily, I had my wallet in my pocket, so money wasn't lost. But I came back to London, and honestly, I can tell you, Joe, I couldn't even phone my mother. I, you know, I'm terrible at numbers, terrible at names. I have dyslexia from very young. And I was like sitting there like a helpless idiot. All my clients that couldn't read. I lost friends. I lost art directors, contacts. I lost so much. And I lost Ray Harryhausen's phone number. And he lived right across London from me. He lives, you know, in Holland Park. I lived up in Epping Forest Way. Um, but I never forgotten him. And I, I I mean, in those days, there was no internet. You can easily get in touch with people. It was nothing. But one day I was over West London and I drove to Holland Park and parked outside his house on a double yellow and knocked on the door and uh, all excited to see him again. And... It was the housekeeper. And she said, terribly sorry, they're in Spain. And I knew they'd go to Spain. They have a house in Spain and they were spending a lot of time there. So I didn't see him. But the last time I, I saw him, I don't know if it's before this incident or after. Forgive me, it's a long time ago. I was on a plane flying to, to a convention in America. And I got off my seat. I was going down the aisle to use the loo or something. And there he was, sitting in a few seats in front of me, going to uh, probably the same convention. Wow. I know. So we both laughed again and we chatted and uh, and that, that was the last time I saw him, I think. Or, yeah, I can't remember the sequence of things. Yeah. And, of course, you did some lovely artwork, which you shared with me for People of the Mist, which was going to be directed well, by Michael Winner and so on. So that kind of fits in, I think, is it before you went to Germany and lost your file of facts? It might have been just before then. Yeah. It was before then. Early 80s. I, um, hmm. 
yeah, you call me over, you know, I said, you know, Chris, come over, I've got a project, you know, like to involve you in. So we went over there and um, firstly, you know, firstly it was just him and me, we're discussing the project and he wanted some sort of, um, you know, um, Jurassic Park kind of environment, people in the midst, dinosaurs, you know, um, big game hunters, I suppose, and all that, and, and the glamorous female. So uh, he briefed me like that. So I went home and I did a very quick sort of get up of a poster. Yeah, I don't, it was kind of like a promotion thing to get investment or something, you know. And um, you saw it, I think, didn't you? Yes, yes, did, yes, yes. Beautiful artwork. But, well, it's quick. It's a quick drawing. That's what mm. it was, you know, but punchy and all this. And so we walked around the block to, um, what's his name? The director. Oh, uh, Michael Winner. Michael Winner. He's got this huge, amazing, weird house. That's <laughs> just, like literally just around the corner, isn't it? It's like three or four doors away. Yeah, Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin is, is there. And, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's why they were neighbours. Mm. So they used to drink together or hang out. Entirely different personalities. <laughs> it's like chocolate cheese, you know, entirely different. Race, calm, collective, kind of easygoing guy. Very proper, you know. Uh, God, Michael Wiener was the opposite. He was like projecting and, you know, he's like on a set all the time, you know, showing off really. And uh, I can't remember what he said, but he liked the drawing and all this. And uh, I can't remember what was discussed. And we left there, you know. I remember... Yeah, yeah, it's a shame it didn't happen, isn't it? You know, he Ray tried to get lots of projects up and running in the 80s, and Michael Winner would have been a good person in that he got things done, and he had a deal with Canon Films, so he was a director who got things done. He produced his own film, so that was... He made money. Good, he did. You know, that he was a good fit. That made money. So the yeah, studio's The Death Wish series and, and other films. Yeah, yeah so... but. Um, I, I just wonder how that would have turned out, how Ray would have got on with him. Because Ray, of course, is a, people don't realise this, is a film producer himself. So he, he works not just as a technician for hire, but he is a co-producer. So I wonder how him and Mr. Winner would have got on. Um, I knew Michael Winner from my days at the Directors Guild, um, and he was always very nice to me and other directors. But uh, I know yeah. he had quite a fearsome reputation amongst, uh, you know, technical crew. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, he's, he's larger than life personality. And I think he put that on a bit, you know. Um, I think success, big success like that changes people and, you know, makes them more like that, you know, acting like they are king of the world, you know. And he did a funny thing, which I love to this day. Uh, as we were leaving, he said, oh, wait a minute. And he went to this uh, chest of drawers thing, mirrors, and he opened a little drawer and and he had spoke to me, of course, and he, and he took something out and he came towards me and said, here, yeah, take this young man. <laughs> and he was a 20 pound note. <laughs> and I said, what? He said, thank you for a nice drawing. Yeah, take this. <laughs> I didn't know what to do, so I laughed and took the note, and me and Ray laughed all the way home. <laughs> That's quite sweet. That's quite sweet in a way, isn't it? It's sweet. I didn't know how to take it. I just just, just had to laugh about it. Yeah. I think the lesson there is never say no to free money. 
Well, I think to refuse it would have been, uh, you know, um, insulting to him in some way. You know, I, I'm just, you know, I just go along and I just went along with it, you know. But it's a shame, like you said, you could have been, you know, it should have carried on from Clash, you know, every few years do another big movie. Do you know what I mean? And he sort of stopped at Clash. Um, well, he did the Sinbad, of course. And, and I think in your book, you said that um, you got to be bored doing the classical myths and all this. You wanted, and, and monsters. Um, you wanted to do more. Uh, yeah, he didn't want to do King Kong anymore or prehistoric T Rexes and all this. He wanted to go and do more uh, adventurous stuff like the Sinbad stuff. Yeah, I think the difficulty was because Clash of the Titans was his most successful film. This is the ironic thing. It made more money, it was seen by more people, but there was a shift in Hollywood towards different types of special effects involving motion control, sort of, yeah. sort of things George Lucas was doing. You know, people yeah. wanted either Raiders of the Lost Ark or The Empire Strikes Back. So Ray's films, which took really sometimes three to four years from when they're greenlit to when they're shot, post-produced, edited, dubbed, mixed, and in theatres, could be up to four years. And studio chiefs who green light pictures didn't last that long so they would be thinking well if i green light a, a harryhausen film now i'm i might be gone out of the studio by the time it's in theaters so oh it's easier God. to commission comedies and so on so once the lifespan of a studio head was diminished right. suddenly the uh the market for harryhausen films was less attractive to studio heads but look we ah. look back now chris and we see that ray's films have been restored they're on television there's all these books that we've written and so on and um, there's more interest now almost than there even was at the time yeah yeah absolutely i mean the man was you know a genius in his way uh, so you know oh it was just wonderful just and i i mean personally jason is a much better movie than clash you know it might be because of my memory but um you know, that's the movie for me. And uh, Million Years BC, uh, he did with Record Welsh and others. I think that's fantastic. Oh, they're, uh, they're really great. And, you know, everything ties back, doesn't it? Because he employed quite a few of the Doctor Who actors. So Tom did. Baker, yeah, Tom Baker won the role of Doctor Who after appearing in The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. And so Barry Letts was looking for someone to take over from John Persby when he left. He was pulling his kind of hair out because he'd asked Ron Moody again, who'd said no, and different kind of well-known actors. He'd auditioned yeah. actors who weren't well-known, but he thought couldn't carry the role. He right. saw Sinbad in Leicester Square one wet Wednesday afternoon when it was raining, and he got his office to ring Tom Baker's agents and, and, and ask for him to come in and see him because he'd seen him in Sinbad. Tom yeah. Baker was working on the building site at the time. So when he came back to the house he was staying at, he was staying at like a guest house because he was doing casual labouring work. There was a note from his agent saying, you've got a call to go to the BBC. And of course, that changed everything. It changed the history of Doctor Who. You know, he became the mega successful fourth Doctor. Um, but when you look back, Pat Troughton was in uh, Jason and the Argonauts, your favourite right. film. Pat Troughton yeah. was also in um, uh, Sinbad's uh, the, um, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger and if you read fully in the book you'll find out that Pat Trout was in a third Harryhausen project and it was the unseen television pilot for Gulliver that was made in the 1960s oh, for yeah. Columbia Television so wow. it's interesting how the Harryhausen yeah. world and the Doctor Who world and yourself all kind of have have strong links so Connor um, are you a Doctor Who fan? 
Well, I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I grew up in, the, I think, the barren years of, of the 1990s when Doctor Who wasn't really on. I think there was only the was it Paul McGann in 1996 that, that there was a one-off TV special. Um, so by the time that the um, the reboot with, with Billy Piper and Christopher Eccleston came about, I was already 19, 20 years old. So I, my childhood certainly wasn't shaped by Doctor Who, although we did have some of the, the classic uh, black and white, I think it was Patrick Trouton, black and white VHSs in, in the house. So I definitely didn't grow up on Doctor Who, but uh, always sort of such an interesting part of, of British pop culture. And uh, yeah, fantastic there to hear from Chris. I'm always intrigued to hear from people who not only knew Ray, but who worked with him in some context and such great stories there they had to share. And great to see the artwork from People of the Mist and of course his fabulous Clash of the Titans poster as well. So just when we think we found everything for like a lost movies book, oh, some new stuff pops up. So these sorts of things can always be revised. And I guess within the sort of context of you being the archivist and a more or less curator of the foundation, you know, new things popping up all the time is quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's almost like um, this, this never-ending treasure trove. Once you think you've got a handle on everything. I mean, I thought I'd seen everything that we had uh, related to, to Clash of the Titans by now, but there's something completely new pops up and uh, fantastic artwork as well. And we've now had a publication on Harryhausen movie posters and Harryhausen lost movies, and yet there's still more secrets uh, which, which appear as our kind of network of contacts grows. So really excellent that you were able to, to get in touch with Chris about that. Well, I was delighted about that. And if anyone listening has any tips or clues onto other hidden Harryhausen um, pieces of art or, or anything Harryhausen related, then, uh, then contact us via the usual means, via our Facebook, our Twitter feed, or via our website, rayharryhausen.com. Well, that's all for this episode. We'll see everyone next time. Thanks very much. Thank you. Copyright in the Ray Harryhausen podcast is owned by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, a registered Scottish charity, number SC001419, 2021. This recording may not be reproduced in whole or in part without written permission from the Foundation. The views expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Foundation, its trustees or employees. For further terms and conditions, please contact us at rayharryhausen.com where you can find our Facebook and Twitter links. <laughs>